Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Daniel Paris, host of New Books in Finance, a channel of the New Books Network. I'm delighted today to have as my guest Yekaterina Svetlova, an associate professor of accounting and finance at the University of Leicester in England, to discuss her uh, new book, Financial Models and Society, Villains or Scapegoats, just published by um, Ed- Edward Elgar in uh, England. Uh, Yekaterina, thank you very much for, for joining me today. Yes, thank you for having me. So your your book really uh, struck uh, a resonant chord with me. I, I happen to operate in finance, and uh, I I'm an investment professional by day, and I am really at the 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 uh, right on the front lines of what you're discussing in your book, and it it was a really a great idea for a research topic. And I'm, I, I imagine there is a community of people who do what you do, but I haven't encountered them yet. So I'm, you're the first one and I'm delighted. And that is the, the interaction, the interface between the financial models that um, are generated in academia and in, in business and the people who use them. And there is this natural assumed uh, kind of tug of war between the models and the humans, and academia likes to uh, present it as a tug of war. And in in the the uh, workplace, it's it's a, a tug of war between are you a, a subjective investor or fundamental investor, or are you a quantitative investor? And what what your book does is really said no 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 that's really not a very productive approach to uh, this issue. Instead, you say there's there's really quite what a, a whole social science of how models are used by investment professionals, how they're perceived. And it's not black and white. It's not simple, good and bad. Can you provide an overview of, of you know, this intermediate space that, uh, that you are, are, are describing and analyzing? Yes. Um, so thank you again. Um, so maybe I start with um, motivation for my book uh, because um, I just uh, uh, was very surprised after the crisis that models, financial models, were constantly blamed for what happened in 2008 and 2009. Um, So they were perceived as extremely dangerous because they are abstract and um, by definition cannot grasp the reality and complexity of financial markets. So um, there were the numbers that killed us about um, value risk model, um, the, the articles in newspapers like the formulas that killed the Wall Street. Um, but um, I really wanted to look into the practice um, of financial professionals and see how they use models in order to understand whether models are as dangerous as they are described in the press and uh, some academic books. And I found out that they are not, especially because, as you said, uh, the are not black and white. Um, and um, uh, uh, models, um, basically the ba- major finding of my book is that models very often don't drive decisions of uh, 
that their users' uh, models are usually combined with a stories, a judgment, um, institutional constraints, uh, so that they don't lead uh, to particular uh, in a unified way. So that's basically the idea of the book. You then uh, are able to go deeper and and really say there's a whole social science of finance, something I hadn't really thought about, but of course it makes sense. How people engage uh, these models itself can be typified as to you know different personalities, different approaches, uh, dis- all part of the broader issue of <clears throat> decision-making under conditions of uncertainty, how people use these models. And there is a, a sub-literature, probably more academic than practical, but out there all the same about uh, the social science of finance. And I th- think that for investment professionals like myself, the whole, I, I just wasn't aware of that. And I think it's good to know that there, that, you know, um, that there is uh, this whole intermediate space and that uh, uh, it can be analyzed itself. Yes, um, so social studies of finance is basically uh, quite a new uh, direction in economic sociology. I would say it's been existed uh, for uh, it's been existing for twenty years, maybe now. Um, and um, so the idea of um, this um, field is uh, indeed to look into practices of um, financial markets in order to understand how people really work. Um, we use interviews, we use participant observation, ethnographic studies. Um, uh, yeah, to, to answer questions that economic theory and financial theory cannot answer. For example, how decisions under uncertainty happen. Well, let's let's go into some of the elements of that social science of finance in which your book fits. You know, in looking at the models, I know you inter- conduct. You may want to describe your your data set, how you uh, conducted these interviews. I think with German fund managers. Uh, over the course of the last decade, and and your 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 basic outline of the project that is the data that is is uh, underpins the book. Yes, so um, the, the major part of um, empirical work was conducted in German and Swiss banks, investment uh, banks or asset management companies. Um, so I met with portfolio managers or security analysts and talked to them for an hour or so asking uh, questions about how they use models. And also I um, spent um, three months in a Swiss, uh, in a private Swiss bank um, where I kind of emerged into their practice uh, and observed as a participant of, um, in, in, in the framework of participant observation how they um, use our financial models. And they also explained it to me while I was there. And I would like to add that I used to work as a portfolio manager myself um, in Frankfurt uh, for six years. So it also helped um, for me to better understand the practice of model use. And so, I mean, uh, everyone, there are a number of stories there and data points, but, uh, you know, just kind of taking it from a personal level, you know, I, I operate in a particular, and it's one of the examples that you use about discounted cash flows or DDMs. Um <laughs> I use them every day. They're okay. simple mathematical formulas, but I know, along with every other practitioner, that if you change the discount rate just a tiny bit, mm-hmm. uh, if you change the growth rate just a tiny bit, and depending on when and how you do that, you get very, very different uh, outcomes. 
And I know that's a subjectivity, uh, but the way it's taught, say, in the CFA program or an MBA programs, it's not really taught as a subjectivity. It's not, there really isn't, even though you say the social science of finance has been around for 20 years, I don't know whether it's been integrated into practical finance for that long. I, I, I'm asking, I'm, I, I don't believe so, but I, I guess I'll just ask whether you think practitioners are aware of this space between the rigorous models and human behavior or where they, they think that they're using models as they're supposed to be used? So I would not say that there is a way how a particular model is supposed to be used because it is kind of a subject to creative practice. So uh, after model left academia and uh, enters um, the practice of uh, financial market practitioners, can find various styles of model use, and that is what I show in my book. So my book is not normative. It is not about prescription, how a particular model should be used. But the DCF is a good example uh, for that allows me to describe how um, that uh, one particular model is uh, so important uh, for, as you said, um, investment bankers or asset managers, and at the same time, it really doesn't guide uh, their decisions uh, because um, this particular model is very used as uh, just the start of conversation among practitioners. It helps them to structure analysis, serves them as an anchor for a decision, but doesn't guide it because um, the results of the model can always be overlaid by humans. And it is what I show book. So uh, qualitative overlay is one of the styles of model use. But the qualitative overlay, which we all use, is probably not in most of the legal filings of the asset managers. Probably not, maybe, but probably not in the marketing decks of the fund managers. Maybe, but probably not in the SEC filings. Uh, in the U.S., mm. in fact, I think there's still. This is why I found this this in between space so interesting. Is there's still, even though practitioners understand there's a subjectivity to model application, I think the investment community doesn't really communicate that very well. In fact, it, it communicates the opposite: that quantitative investing is strictly quantitative, and you take the human being out. That's a good thing, on the assumption that that's a good thing. And uh, the role for human interpretation is fairly limited, if, if at all. I, I see that in the marketplace all the time, yet I, working on the inside, I, I acknowledge that the role of human judgment of intuition uh, and judgment is, is, is still pretty significant. So, I mean, you're, it, it's, it is, uh, you're describing the reality, but it, on, on the, um, to me at least, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, a lot of the investment community is still presenting the models as airtight, airtight investment tools. When in fact, I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think they are. Have you have you encountered this? You know, difference between how the the um, uh, the investment professionals acknowledge to you that they're using subjective uh, overlays versus what they're communicating to clients. I address this issue as uh, the difference between uh, front stage and backstage decisions. Um, uh, so this difference was introduced by the sociologist Erwin Goffman uh, in the 50s um, of the last century. And uh, I found this uh, difference uh, or this differentiation helpful. 
So basically, uh, on the social front stage, indeed, um, people present themselves as um, very professional. Um, they follow particular uh, rules that the clients, for example, expect them to follow. Um, like a waitress, for example, would behave differently uh, in the restaurant with the client uh, in comparison to how she or he behaves in the kitchen, right? And what they say there on the backstage. Um, so uh, on the front stage, indeed, financial professionals right. um, um, present themselves as uh, or their investment process as scientific, rigorous, based on models. And I um, highlight in the book that uh, one of the most important roles of financial models is to uh, legitimize uh, decisions uh, to clients or consultants. Um, but but if we move to the backstage, basically where no clients or no consultants are present, um, financial market professionals would um, admit to themselves um, that subjective factors like judgment play an extreme role and extremely important. Right. So uh, this uh, difference could can be addressed by a sociological theory, and I um, it's why I have a chapter on decision making. Um, and a chapter on decision selling. Selling happens front stage and decision making backstage. Yes. So, yeah, that's a nice distinction because decision selling in many cases is all about the model and decision making is, is kind of partially about the model. Uh, in At least in the U.S. fund management, you have, you have to be very careful about these things because, uh, you know, the SEC has been around for a long time and uh, – they try to make sure that uh, front of front of house and back of house, uh, to use your analogy, are absolutely aligned. But we are human beings after all, and uh, there, there's always going to be some friction. And your your book is is about that friction between front of house and back back of house. Is in your analysis, did the uh, uh, did that friction, the difference, the 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 uh, judgment overlay? Help or hurt? I mean, it, as you point out, in 2009, the the models were blamed. Um, you went into this with, uh, you know, trying to understand the role of, of the models, and you came out with this intermediate space. Is it, is it a good thing that the humans are still involved, or should the models, uh, should, you know, investors really, uh, quantitative funds really stick to the models without, uh, as and uh, involve a judgment overlay as little as possible, or... You know, where, where do you come out on this debate of, of human beings versus machines? Um, so basically, uh, as I said, my book is not normative, uh, so I don't want to make any prescriptions. But, um, uh, but it's regarding hard not to. to the question <laughs> of um, crisis, for example, I kind of challenge the view um, that um, all um, financial market pr pr practitioners use models in the same way and that um, this unified way of using models leads uh, to herding, right? So this was considered very often in the in the literature or in the media to be the, uh, the major cause for the crisis. So I come, I come out... Let's stop there just to make sure everyone understands that, that uh, the herding, that is if everyone is... Uh, this, this happened in, in 1987 with portfolio insurance. If everyone does the same thing at the same time, it actually creates a highly inefficient market. And uh, it occurred on an enormous scale in 2007, 2008, when everyone is trying to uh, get out of a particular type of asset. 
So, but what the argument went that uh, deep learning was led by uh, the unified usage of financial models. However, I try to show in the book that um, the, the role of models in this process is not very clear um, because if models would really uh, or the, the widespread use of mo- usage of models would use all the time to similar decisions by market professionals, we would not have normal dates in markets at all anymore because models are so widely used. So my point is that because we have human and storytelling and all this stuff, um, um, we um, can observe normal days in markets. Um, and uh, uh, basically, um, with respect to crisis, I say that maybe this human judgment um, kind of the human judgment rather was dangerous and not the models. So I bring an example of the H. Bosch Bank um, in England um, and the report of Bank of England on uh, what happened in this bank uh, during the crisis. And they addressed the issue of risk culture. And risk culture in the bank involves um, how models are used. And it showed that Bosch basically had very good models, but because they were overlaid, they didn't have a chance to form a professional. Um, and um, so um, I would rather say that maybe the problem of the markets is not too much models, but still uh, too much uh, human judgment. Because we find it everywhere. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. I I uh, I'll take the other end of that argument with you. I'm I'm I, but I absolutely respect the assertion of that. That if you have the models, you should you should use them as it were. I'm on the more on the human judgment side. That's just how I I invest. Um, but what you've pointed out is, and I think this is kind of the the essence of the book, is that there is this in between space, mm-hmm. and you can't assume that quantitative investing is purely quantitative uh, and uh, that, you know, people have to apply models, you know, uh, and how they apply them reflects their own, their own biases and choices. Uh, risk is an excellent kind of platform to look at that. D- DCFs mm-hmm. are uh, another good example because how you, uh, it's a common model that's used in the investment community, but how you apply it matters. It's a very, very simple one, but risk models tend to be much more complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that that is uh, maybe a realm where the quantitative approach is, is, is a more sober one and needs to be more rigorously applied. I, I, I don't know. I do know that, say, you know, and again, in, in my own investing business, that the definition of risk and risk management and the quantitative tools that we use to measure risk management are very robust. Uh, but again, it also comes down to the portfolio manager's judgment at the end of the day as to how to um, how to interpret that data mm-hmm. and how to implement risk management in in any given investment situation um, and uh, you know that's uh, it's it's very much not as you you know not neither villains nor scapegoats is the subtitle of your book but uh, 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 very very much uh, in the middle what well, what were you know in terms of getting um, investment professionals to, you know, 
sit up and notice this and to, to pay attention to what, you know, what, what would be the most, uh, you, you mentioned the HBOS model. Are there others that are, you know, striking examples of this social science of finance that people should be aware of this middle space and it's an important middle space between, between the models and the humans? Other examples beyond HBOS? Um, I also mentioned uh, credit rating agencies in the book. Um, so um, I, Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. because um, this is an example. They provided as an example of um, um, other style of model use that I call opinion proclaimers. Um, so I in, in the book, uh, my prominent example of this style was um, the usage of models by financial analysts, who um, very often just uh, go out to the companies, talk to CEOs, collect their data and impressions about a particular company, if we talk about equities, um, and they come up with an opinion, their judgment about this particular company, and have a feeling that the target price for this company is $50. And only then they start to apply the model to um, and adjust all numbers within the model to get at $50 target price, right? So models help <laughs> them to proclaim uh-huh. their opinion that was formed before the model was used at all. And I uh, used uh, this, uh, I demonstrated that um, credit rating agencies are basically the same style. Um, so very often they knew which rating has to come out uh, because the clients kind of wanted to have triple A, and and then they just uh, use the model to produce a triple A, triple A rating for this particular client. And um, I, unfortunately, the history of both the rating agencies and the, the sell side broker just provide. <laughs> A lot of examples of what you're describing. Uh, there, there's, there's too much. Of so I, I think you've defined nicely uh, this intermediate space and provided some structure around it, the way that people can think about it. It, it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of academic terminology in the book, but even for non-academics, for practitioners, simply uh, kind of skimming the, the academic parts, but just understanding the main arguments in each chapter, I think would be very helpful in creating a degree of awareness among us, the financial prof- uh, professionals, investment professionals, about this, this in-between space. So uh, uh, for that, uh, Professor Spetlova, I want to I thank you. Uh, can I ask you what you're working on now? Is this work continuing in uh, uh, working on new projects or uh, continuing on this social science of finance um, uh, space? Uh, your, what, what is your current project? Um, yes, so, so we kind of uh, continue. I continue to work on this, uh, particularly on uh, the concept I mentioned at the beginning of the book, uh, which I call chains of finance, um, where we try to understand how um, the involvement of, for example, asset managers in uh, these other intermediaries like financial consultants, wealth managers, and so on. Uh, determ- co-determine their decisions, not only how models uh, determine their decisions, but also other uh, market participants. So the social element, um, uh, how it plays into decisions. So uh, to give you an example of this, because again, I can, I can, uh, I'm aware of it. 
uh, not that I particularly would want to be part of your study, but invariably I am. You know, we have clients who hire <laughs> financial advisors. Financial advisors choose a home office or a firm to work for. The home office does its own due diligence, but also hires outside consultants to determine which managers to use. Then you have the the uh, exactly. financial exactly. the the asset managers themselves, and then the asset managers themselves hire individuals to uh, run portfolios. Those people hire analysts to help them do the analysis. It's um, there's a lot of room for <laughs> a, a social science of investment when you have five or six layers occurring. Uh, particularly, I would encourage you to look at risk definitions of risk by each individual in that chain are, are very different. And when definitions of risk are different, it's very difficult to uh, consistently apply models. That, that I think is a very big issue. But I... I yeah, so if you like decisions... Uh, sorry. Um, so, so if you like to... You can say the decisions are not made by a particular individual anymore. They are distributed through the whole chain. You, you cannot understand what asset managers decide when you don't understand to whom they sell investment process, from whom they get money, how they report their performance, and so on. I can confirm that your second project is absolutely true. <laughs> Even if I look forward to, uh, as I'm in the inside of it. Uh, I, I look forward to that, uh, uh, reviewing uh, that work. Uh, for now, however, uh, it is Financial Models in Society, Villains and Scapegoats. The author is uh, Yekaterina Svetlova. Uh, professor uh, of accounting and finance at the University of Leicester. Uh, this is a technical book, and it is, uh, you know, narrowly focused on these these academic issues and their application. So it's, it's probably uh, mostly of in interest to uh, investment professionals, but I think uh, a very important uh, uh, work for those investment professionals, particularly those who are engaged, um, uh, who are using quantitative models and are looking for some. Uh, some insight into how they interact with them. Professor Svetlova, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you.